is our strong Savior. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. And by the way, asking that the Holy Spirit would follow me in this hour doesn't mean that I'm going to take an hour to preach. I didn't want anybody to get up and leave. But I do want you to give your attention to God's Word found in Luke chapter 2. Last night on our Christmas Eve service, we looked at verses 1 through 7. As I included that uh, service in our series of entitled, The Doctor Has Good News. <clears throat> and uh, he still has good news. We continue to see it, and we will chapter after chapter. But uh, we'll look at verses uh, 8 through 20 today and uh, in a brief time just consider this good news that is so good it is incomprehensible to the human mind remember angels look into these things and wonder and if they wonder then surely we should hear the word of God Luke chapter 2 beginning with verse 8 and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph. And the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And may the Lord bless this reading of his word as we give him praise for it. Amen. And so I remember the Paul Harvey broadcast. It was a news broadcast at noon when I was driving one day listening to the radio and that voice that was so familiar to me. And he told about a man who had bought a frame, a picture frame at a yard sale in New England. I have long since forgotten what town it was or even the state, but one of those places up there in the nebulous far north somewhere above the Mason-Dixon. And for a couple of dollars, he had bought a picture frame that he thought would suit something that he wanted to put in it. And he took it home and then left it lying aside for a while. Until one day, after admiring it again, he got it. He managed to get the back off of it so that he could begin to think about how he was going to size the item that he wanted to frame. And inside of the back, obscured and completely covered from the front side, was a document. It was a printed Declaration of Independence. And as he looked at it, he thought, 
This isn't one of those things that I've seen in my lifetime that's been reproduced. The paper feels different. The print looks a little different. And you've guessed it. Sure enough, it was an authentic first printing of the Declaration of Independence dating to 1776. And suddenly, a picture frame that he had bought for a couple of dollars was invaluable. We all might wonder what kind of treasures we have around our house. I'm convinced we don't have anything of particular value, but we have a lot of things that are of inestimable sentimental value that uh, the world couldn't pay us enough for. But when we come to this precious, treasured moment where the good news begins to be revealed to the world as the light begins to pierce the darkness in this obscure place called Bethlehem, this backwater town that was... Not any place in particular as far as the rest of the world was concerned. I'm absolutely convinced that Caesar Augustus didn't know anything about Bethlehem or where it was located. Somebody walked into his throne room and said, hey, Caesar, where's Bethlehem? I'm convinced he couldn't, looking at a map, have found it if his life depended on it. And yet here, the greatest news that the world will ever know began to break. We've all watched the news in our growing up years or past years, that times that were different. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. And the shepherds that night had their lives interrupted with the greatest of news bulletins. What was it like? How many of them were there? What time was it exactly? How many sheep were there? All kinds of questions that we might have and we don't even begin to have the answers to. But we do know what they heard. And it is extraordinary because the angel announced to shepherds the happy news of the birth of the greatest of shepherds. These inconsequential people, as many of us have long heard and understood, that they were on the bottom of the social totem pole. They weren't in power. They didn't have any importance as far as the rest of the world concerned. Shepherds shepherds were so demeaned and looked down upon so much that their testimony wasn't even considered in court. And yet, of all people, the angel appeared to them to make the announcement. It was glorious, literally, the light of God's glory, which exceeds all others in radiance and beauty. If you doubt me, just look at those passages in Revelation chapter 4, verse 3, 21, 11, verse 23. That light of the glory of God, it is so brilliant that it floods the heavens so much that there's not even a shadow in heaven. On our brightest, sunniest day, there are still shadows. The light of God's glory is so that there will be no shadows in heaven. And John even describes it at one point as a rainbow that encircles the throne of God. Those shepherds saw something that none of us have ever seen. We can look down on them and demean them and we can talk about how they had no standing. But I tell you right now, they saw something that we will only see when we are before the presence of God in glory. And it was absolutely stunning. And even as they heard the news, even as the announcement was made, even as he had to say, fear not, because you know they were terrified. I mean, this was in a day there were no electric lights. There were no special effects. There were no means of producing this phenomenon that they were witnessing there firsthand. They had to be terrified. But fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. How glorious to consider that to them this news had been revealed. There is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the One foretold in the prophecies of the Old Testament 
time and time again, hundreds of prophecies pertaining specifically to him. And now after 400 years of relative prophetic silence, suddenly breaking onto the scene with this light piercing the darkness in this announcement, they get to hear that Jesus has come. Just like this, this brother that Jason witnessed to has come to see that Christ is the Savior of sinners. And the news is still good. And we continue to rejoice. It is astounding that this glorious news was announced in such a way. But, oh, what an ordinary sign they were given. You might think with something like that, the sign would be more angels. More manifestation of heaven's glory. But no. No, just a baby and swaddling cloths lying in a feeding trough. That's the sign. That's, that was it. I wonder if somewhere in their collective backs of their minds they weren't thinking swaddling cloths? A feeding trough? A manger? What kind of sign is this? An ordinary sign. And yet we are given the same. A Savior who came who was so nondescript and so ordinary that we couldn't have picked him out of a crowd if our lives depended on it. And yet the witness of the heavenly host was born. The appearance of the heavenly multitude forever marks the importance of Christ's birth. Now, we live in a day when people get together for football games and baseball games. Thousands of people gathered in a stadium. But 10,000 years from now, in glory, I doubt very seriously that we will recount even one ball game, even one Super Bowl, even one World Series, even one World Cup. That is not going to be the topics that dominate our conversation. However, heaven showed up when Jesus was born. That's an event that's worth witnessing. And that we will continue to be talking about for all of eternity. The coming of the Lord Christ, God himself, performing the rescue that no one else could undertake. Because, don't you see it? The angels were able to come and announce the good news. But they couldn't carry out what the good news required. Angels, with all of their power, with all of their ability, could not perform what God alone could perform in the person of His Son, the Lord Jesus. They're declaring what God could do. And you and I, you and I have the same privilege, not of doing, not of performing the rescue, but of announcing it. And in that, we get to join with angelic company. You know, my parents used to tell me, be careful what company you keep. I remember I had an uncle that said, son, you better be careful. If you lie down with the dogs, you're going to get up with fleas. Anybody else ever hear that? Or did that just come out of the mountains of North Carolina? Think about what good company you're in today in worshiping the Lord God Almighty and exalting the name of the Lord Jesus. Think about what good company you're keeping when you share with a neighbor the good news of the Lord Jesus. You're in company with the angels. An incomprehensible number of heavenly beings appeared suddenly and spoke as one. You know, I've watched various productions of the birth of the Lord Jesus. I have my favorites, and you probably do too. But there's one aspect of the coming of the Lord Jesus that I have never seen depicted that I think any comes anywhere close to actually showing us what happened. 
They'll show an angel, you know, a person playing the part of an angel, and there'll be all kinds of light there, and the shepherds' faces will be radiating that light. But when it gets to the point of the heavenly multitude, I've never seen that depicted as I think it actually happened. Because I believe with my heart and all of my heart, as God's Word reveals it, that at that moment, in a great mysterious manner, the veil that separates heaven and earth for just a moment, was lifted. And I believe that Hollywood, with all of its special effects abilities, cannot begin to depict what it would have been like for those shepherds to have seen that heavenly multitude breaking out in unison. Now, were they singing or were they speaking? It says they were saying. It doesn't say singing. But I don't want to make a point of that because I don't want to do anything to take away from this glorious good word that they announced. Notice that those angels who ministered in the presence of God gave glory to God, God in the highest, and proclaimed on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, this is variously translated as we heard the bells on Christmas Day. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men as it comes from the King James Version. We know that's not probably the most accurate rendering. And it's difficult to get a grasp on exactly what this means. But I ran across some years ago a variation of this, a translation that was uh, rendered by Wycliffe Bible translators for a language in Africa, the name of which I did not record to my own shame. But if rendered in English from that language as they rendered it, it would read this, and I think it gets to the heart of it. God in heaven is just so good. So the people who live in this world, if God's heart is happy with them, then their fear is all gone now. (laughs) Fear is gone. A Savior has come. A sacrifice would be made on a cross one day and He would bear our sin and take away our shame and our guilt so that I can go before my Heavenly Father and I can pray, Father, and I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to wonder if there's some sin that He left It didn't deal with it. There's no fear. Oh, we have reverence. But not the terror that we might have if we came into his presence with unforgiven, undealt with sin. All glory forever belongs to God and all who are his delight in proclaiming that glory. Again, we keep company with the angels and these shepherds saw and heard it all. And so, overcome with all of this, they were given instructions to go to Bethlehem. And notice they didn't delay. Let's go. What happened to the sheep? (laughs) You know, I've got this image in my mind. It's probably completely inaccurate. You know, once the shepherds got back there, the sheep had scattered and gone everywhere because nobody was looking after them. Because I've been around sheep. They're pretty dumb. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's it's no coincidence that God calls us his sheep because we desperately we desperately need shepherding left to our own we wander away just like a sheep all you like sheep have gone astray each has gone to his own way but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all they went and they saw they witnessed and they experienced 
that Christ the Lord is, not was. I'm not talking about just then. I'm talking about is and forever will be the best news the world has ever, will ever hear. We tell it to ourselves. We repeat it. We celebrate every week, not just once a year on Christmas, every Lord's Day, every day. For those who are children of God, we celebrate. It's good news that transforms us, and therefore we become witnesses and worshipers of God, just like the shepherds. They simply went and told what had happened to them and proclaimed it. And Mary, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And so we all should treasure up and ponder in our hearts everything we learn and know about Jesus. There are lots of things I treasure in my heart. I can think back, oh, over the course of time. I can remember at my seminary graduation, family traveling the 571 miles from our driveway on High Creek, North Carolina, to be in Jackson, Mississippi, to watch me walk across and get a piece of paper. And all the other times they have been there. I treasure it. I, I think about oh seven or eight people who came from a local Baptist church that I would worship in on Sunday evenings where Dr. Walter Bowie held forth. And I can still think of the day that I walked in there one Sunday evening and he interrupted his talk and he said, Oh, there's Brother Womack, our favorite Baptist. <laughs> And I remember those dear folks who came to that graduation. They took time out of their day. They got dressed and they came and they were there. And I didn't do a thing. I just walked across and got a piece of paper. I think about a dear saint who just a couple of days ago, at 10 o'clock in the morning, went home to be with the Lord. Joyce Barbie played our piano and locust. Oh, boy, like Gordon, she could play it. She would get down on that thing, and I thought the piano and Joyce both were just going to take off and walk out of there. First Sunday night, we were there to worship. The whole uh, service got interrupted. I began to realize what I'd gotten into with that congregation when uh, somebody just spoke up that evening and said, Let's hear, I'll fly away. And Joyce went to the piano, and four guys that I didn't know were even associated with each other got up, and they got up there on the platform, and oh, man, she started playing that piano. And they sang, oh, fly away. You don't expect that in a Presbyterian church. (laughs) And one of them looked at me and said, Preacher, you didn't know what you were getting yourself into, did you? And I can remember when a lady in our community didn't get to our church, but Maureen Downer passed away, and It was her wish that those men would sing that song at her funeral. And the bass singer was sick. He had a bad cold, and he couldn't be there. And I had a cold, but it wasn't bad enough to keep me from there because Maureen wanted me to preach her service, help with it. And uh, somebody looked around and said, We don't have anybody to sing the part, preacher. Can you do it? I thought, Well, my voice is an octave lower than usual. And I looked at Joyce and I said, Joyce, the only way we can pull this off, because I have sung that song hundreds of times in the cab of my truck listening to the Statler Brothers. Can you play it like it is on that tape? And she looked at me and she said, Preacher, all day long. (laughs) 
And I had my one moment in the spotlight. And I got to sing at Maureen Downer's funeral to honor that dear saint's request. So Tuesday, I'll be there. Stand in the pulpit of the Carolina Presbyterian Church with an opportunity to honor one who had done more for us that I could begin to recount. When our son came home after a three-week stint in hospitals and intensive care when we almost lost him, we came home to a house with enough food in it to have fed the multitude. Because Joyce fixed it. And I treasure up those things in my heart. And I give thanks. But all the more how we treasure and ponder the Lord Jesus. The words mean to put in context, to connect, to think something out. That's what ponder means. Psalm 119, 130 says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Treasure means to keep something alive or to savor it. Again, Psalm 119, this time verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart. The mother of our Lord, pondering and treasuring, reminding all of us that we have something to ponder and treasure. And we will wonder and marvel for the ages to come. If you, like countless others, have opened your heart and in repentance, have received the King of kings and Lord of lords. This lowly one who once upon a time inhabited a feeding trough will condescend to such low estate to come into our hearts. And I think, feeding trough? Lord, I'm somewhere below that. At least that manger, that that feeding trough had never rebelled and sinned against the Lord. I mean, it might have been rough-hewn wood. Whatever it might have been made out of, it may have been stone. Whatever it was, it was rudimentary and it was base. But it had never rebelled against the Creator. I have. And yet, the little baby wrapped in swaddling cloths who inhabited once upon a time that feeding trough is willing to condescend even lower to inhabit a heart that has rebelled against him and sinned against him, and yet he is willing to say, I forgive you. I can't give you any more reason to celebrate. As Joyce played one Sunday and I stood up in the pulpit, I remember saying, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. To know that we have a Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the most important person who ever walked the face of this earth, is willing to come into your heart and forgive you and give you the right to be called a child of God. I can't give you any news better than that. I can't think of any news better than that. And oh, how we give thanks. So yes, we hear the bells. We sing. We praise. We worship And we tell the world, and Christian, keep doing it. There's none like him.
there is born to you this day in the city of, of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. May his name evermore be praised. Father in heaven, as we conclude here, we know your work is ongoing. Lord, in this small gathering, we're grateful that you are mindful of us and that the Holy Spirit is present with us as he is with all of your people around this world simultaneously and at different times. You never neglect us. You never leave us, nor do you forsake us because your son has come and you love him and you love all who repent and trust in him and your favor is upon us and we can't fathom that but we give you thanks for it and we pray that you will continue to give us grace that we may grow in the knowledge of this grace this unmerited favor that we may ponder and treasure all of these things that you reveal to us and give thanks as only rescued sinners could. In Jesus' name we pray. leave thy throne we're going to sing that right now would would you please stand
Amen.